the traditional approach explains the territorial acquisition is often a response to the need for further possessions. More often than not, the same has been interpreted as a personal desire of the rulers or their insatiable thirst for territory or their religious zeal. But the motivation of this acquisition of fresh territories are often related to the requirement of extracting fresh revenue. Once internally, a limit had already been reached from the existing position. And I believe you don't need to be a historian to understand how territorial expansion has often brought the neighbors into a disagreement. 18th century India saw an intricate power struggle amongst various groups defending or challenging the existing control. Not only the colonials, but the Indian states were busy battling against each other to extend their territorial command, establish themselves as the political supremacy. Welcome to the revolution, untold story of Indian freedom struggle. I'm Shushmita Mazumdar, your host. And I am Kaushik Mazumdar, your co-host. In this episode, we will take you through the political turmoil of late 1700 and early 1800. We will remember the days and the battles of Tiger of Mysore, Tipu Sultan, and his father, Hyder Ali. We will talk about their battles against the British East India Company as well as against their neighbors. But before that, let me take this opportunity to introduce the Panjan. We would try to understand the sudden drift from the Bengal to the Mysore in the persuasion of the armed struggle of India's independence. Let me welcome Dipanjan, our researcher, and see his take. Last episodes we have seen, we talked about the Bengal, how East India Company captured Bengal and the Nawabs of Bengal were went away from the power. And now he's concentrating more on the southern part of India. So there was a geographical drift and why South India becomes so important after Bengal for the British East India Company. Welcome Dipanjil. Thanks for inviting me to share my thoughts. Uh, this is, uh, you know, um, as it is said, like to find a historical continuity, it, you, ha you have to go through a timeline. It, it is very important to understand the growth of the sentiment and how things are moving uh, especially uh, keeping in mind that, that we are talking about the time uh, in history when uh, India was still not perceived as a complete country. Like it was still like separate states, a group of states who were fighting amongst themselves and the supremacy was to be earned by uh, dominating others, one state against another. So, uh, if you follow, if we, if we follow the continuity, initially the British, when they came, they had set three major presidencies. One Mumbai presidency, one Bengal presidency, and one Chennai presidency. And if you see, basically uh, they came here for trading, right? So their major concern was to capture those areas through which they could communicate for the trade routes. And Chennai, Madras, 
trade route like because madras malabar all these coastlines they were providing a major avenue for them to communicate to the south southern asia and all so and also the uh, also the east middle east section so that's one major reason why they wanted to have a presidency set over there now after that what happens uh, bombay was owned very easily because it was with portuguese and through we'll... marital exchange of their princess of portuguese now in chennai they had set initial presidency over there but the french who were already present in uh, southern india they were a big hit the britishers because they both like the french and the british they took part into indian uh, internal matters of the states over there but they both had allies and once they had set themselves pretty strong in bengal they had earned their administrative uh, power so it was it was like for them that mumbai is already taken care of bengal they have already set so now the only stake it was left for them to conquer and confirm the safety and security of chennai so for them it was important to establish a communication with the rest of the presidencies also and also to establish their far formed uh, supremacy and yes another thing they also had to also had to throw the french out of business that was also another point that's these these are the main reasons why they went to chennai after bengal and we are just following their trails because we want to see how the how the battle had grown within india against the british so that for the reason we are following their trail but you said they have already taken care of the mumbai or the bombay yeah. presidency but marathas yeah. were still strong right so yes marathas were very strong marathas were still after the moguls like marathas were still going strong and they wanted to establish their uh, supremacy over the middle middle portion the central portion of india they also ventured into southern section which which we will will see uh, as we progress that's the major reason why they got into battle with hyder ali and that's where nizams and uh, the mysore uh, people they become so important as uh, as ally as much as uh, enemies to the states of each other thank you thank you putting us with the right perspective here would you believe at that point of time when uh, hyder ali he died in 1782 and he was battling against british and that was not the like the like uh, forget about emails and the, the kind of conversation that we are having right now those days even sending a proper mail was very tough to send your message across and at that point of time in 1781 he died in 1782 in 1781 the revolution was still going on in america right so there i found this trivia that marchants of marchants of pennsylvania had actually dedicated a battleship to his name either hmm, that and is very interesting that yeah so you know uh, and it's uh, it is said that uh, 
the nizams who were from hyderabad and the marathas and the british hyder ali had spent whole of his life fighting against this uh, and also the nawab of arcot and all they had been fighting against each other and in spite of that he managed to reach to middle east he and also his son tipu sultan they managed to create a trading also a support system with the middle east that shows the kind of uh, far sightedness they had and that's the very reason when we take a journey along with them we we see that they had been able to understand where the britishers are exactly uh looking forward or going ahead to and uh, accordingly they tried to bring up confederacies in spite of the fact they are they have not been very strong allies but they had been again and again there are instances when they had been proposing to form confederacies against the british and i'm talking about at that point of time when everything was being decided uh, on the strength uh, and it it was all about sword mm-hmm. so uh, it shows the kind of respect that he has got from the outer world at that point of time that says somewhere like where we are missing something in our history so as we have taken this uh, onto us to trail back to the journey of our revolution i thought it is very important to bring in the mysoreans because you know this is a very exclusive era you won't be hearing about much of them after uh, once we enter 1800 it's very sad though but that that's a fact thank you dipanjan and we will uh, talk to you again in some other episodes dipanjan is joining us from india and we are talking over phone so there may be some little bit of sound issues here uh, across the continent uh, but i think we we have heard him really well thank you dipanjan and else, we'll, sorry it's really a, like this might be a coincidence that we started talking about either with this one only <laughs> <laughs> um yeah th- hey thank you uh, best of luck to all of us and i just wish our listeners uh, have a great day ahead and please keep on listening to uh, what we are trying to share and please do share your views let's walk a few blocks past into the history we will come back to the point in time where dipanjan left but first let's try and understand the then political and territorial spread of mysore legions and their contenders by the end of 1740s the french and the british colonial companies started taking more active participation in the local conflicts the third carnatic war had gained the british somewhat solid footholds at bombay madras and calcutta not only they proved their martial superiority over the indian prince towns but they also marginalized the influence of other colonial powers madras was one of the most important and earliest possessions of the british east india company in india just to refresh your memory captain robert clive who had brought the end to the rule of sovereign nawabs of bengal was himself summoned from madras to calcutta after siraj's attack on fort william 
Despite being prized possession, Madras was far from a source of comfort for them yet. The eastern holdings at Madras were surrounded by the territory ruled by the Nawab of Karnataka, Muhammad Ali Khan Walaja. The other major powers in the east were the Nizam of Hyderabad and the Sultanate of Mysore ruled by the Odia dynasty. Mysore occupied the high plains between the eastern and western ghats. The mountain ranges separating the coastal plains of India from the interior. Because of its strategic positioning, Mysore posed a great threat to the Marathas. The nawab of each of these states were in the procedure of consolidation and expansion of its territorial boundary. In this procedure, the emergence of Mysore was naturally viewed with great alarm, especially since 1761 after the control of Mysore went into the hands of Hyder Ali. Though the Nizam was equally apprehensive of the Maratha expansion in the south and uprising of Mysore he allied with the Marathas. Also he cooperated with the British against Mysore as well as against the Marathas. The mutual dissension and enmity amongst the local powerhouses ultimately helped the british to intervene effectively in their internal politics after establishing their martial as well as administrative supremacy in the east it was high time for the english east india company to choose whether to restrict them to pull the strings of the native government or take on the governance on their own as mentioned in a letter by clive the time now approaches when we may be able to determine whether our remaining as merchants subject to the jurisdiction encroachments and insults of the country government or the supporting your privileges and possessions by the sword are likely to prove more beneficial to the company in other words whether the company should openly take up an attitude of independent authority their choice was probably obvious as may be inferred from an extract from the concluding pages of dow's history of hindustan written in 1770 to show how accurately the possibilities of expansion had been calculated by cool and intelligent observers thus we have in a few words endeavored to give a general idea of the present state of hindustan It is apparent from what has been said that these immense regions might all be reduced by a handful of regular troops. 10,000 European infantry together with the sepoys in the company's service are not only sufficient to conquer all India but with proper policy to maintain it for ages as an appendage to the British crown. This position may at first sight appear a paradox to people unacquainted with the genius and disposition of the inhabitants of Hindustan but to those who have considered both with attention the thing seems not only practicable but easy Though the invitation for alliance from the battling states led the company an easy entrance to the British but their intervention in Mysore and the Maratha states primarily had a commercial interest the sudden growth in the company's cotton trade with china from gujarat through bombay motivated the british authorities to play a more domineering role in western india british authorities wanted to remove the chance of any possible intervention of the marathas from the way of their 
lucrative trade. In addition to the fact that Mysore was already a threat to the British control in Madras, their strong influence on Malabar coast were perceived by the company as a threat to the British trade in pepper and cardamom. Moreover, the French alliance with the British under both Hyder Ali and his son Tipu's rule were seen as a threat to the British dominance in this region. From the ranks of an ordinary soldier, Hyder Ali eventually rose to become the de facto ruler of the kingdom of Mysore. His contribution during the siege of Diwanhali in 1749 earned him an independent control from the Raja of Mysore. Throughout the Carnatic Wars, while the Nawab of Arcot, Muhammad Ali Khan Walaja, allied with the British, Hyder Ali and his Mysore battalions served alongside the French commanders. After studying the military tactics of the Frenchman, Joseph Francois Duplay, he induced his older brother, a brigade commander in the Mysore army, to obtain military equipment from the Bombay government and to enroll 30 European sailors as gunners. Thus was formed by the first Indian controlled corps of sepais armed with firelocks and bayonets and backed by artillery served by Europeans. In 1755, Haidar was appointed Fauchdar of Dindigul. In this position, he first retained French advisors to organize and train his artillery companies. No wonder he is accredited as being the first Indian to have formed a corps of armed sepoys backed by an artillery base comprising European soldiers. In 1758, he was rewarded with the Jagir Regional Governorship of Bangalore by Devaraja in appreciation of his role in the campaigns against the Nayars of Malabar. The very same year, Haider Ali successfully forced the Marathas to lift a siege of Bangalore. This would find him at enmity with Marathas who had distinctive emotional patronage towards Bangalore because of the same being the birthplace of Chhatrapati Sivaji. These early wars would result in mistrust and enmity amongst Haider and Muhammad Ali Khan Walaja, the Marathas as well as the English company. Over the next few years, Haider Ali not only concentrated on the expansion of his territories, but also focused on improving the economy of Mysore. These were the days of training for Tipu under the learned tutors to become the administrator and the warrior he became. During this period, to the key acquisitions of Haider Ali included Sira from the Marathas and the Kingdom of Bednor. In 1763, he took Ikiri, the capital of Bednor. The acquisition of Bednor included several ports on the Malabar coast, including Mangalore. Haider Ali used these ports to establish a small navy. Portuguese records indicate that the fleet was launched sometime between 1763 and 1765. This might come as a surprise that this fleet was run by Europeans and its first admiral was none other than an Englishman. In 1768, Haider Ali, out of mistrust towards the European, chose Lutf Ali Beg 
as the new admiral instead by 1763 following the conclusion of the third carnatic war the british east india company especially the madras presidency had two major concerns on one hand they wanted to make sure no local power should form an alliance with the french as well as to establish an overland connection between its holdings at madras and bengal unrestricted access to the northern sirkars a series of coastal territories was the key to achieve the goal they had set accordingly they had applied to the nizam for the northern sirkars but the nizam rejected their offers around this time nizam himself battling against the marathas had to make overtures to the company for assistance though the company yet not managed to get the nod from nizam they managed to enter in an agreement of lending army to the nizam in return of financial arrangements for the troops at this juncture the company received letters from hyder ali proposing an alliance including the nizam against the marathas though the nizam did not act fast on such an idea of the confederacy eventually the alliance never worked out and hyder ali is found to be blaming mamad ali khan walaja the nawab of arcot and ol ali of the british and enemy of mysore eventually nizam got into an alliance with peshwa madhav rao against common enemy janoji bhosle in the meantime in the aftermath of the battle of baksar lord clive successfully pursued mughal emperor shah alam 2 for the northern sirkars who in august 1765 issued a decree granting the company rights to that territory they knew this would displease their ally nizam who was yet occupied battling janoji bhosle so they chose to wait for the right time to break the news according in 1766 after defeating janoji bhosle the nizam was planning to invade mysore with the existing alliance of peshwa madhav rao madras government took their opportunity to get the sanand of the emperor to nizam about transferring the rights of northern sirkars in return of martial commitment nizam not only protested against such settlement rather he was on the verge of declaring war against the british but the long battle against the marathas left him financially too weak to go into another war that too against the british around this time while due to the differences of the marathas the existing ally of the nizam and the british the new alliance was still in doubt madras presidency was under constant threat from probable carnatic invasion of hyder ali accordingly they extended the proposal of an alliance towards hyder ali also only to be denied though in this dilemma lord clive recommended for persuasion of nizam which should have for its object subjugation of hyder ali as well as this alliance would restrain the spreading power of marathas even the court of directors of the company had differences with clive about the alliance which is evident from the following counter comments where court of directors of the company doubts the growing greatness of hyder ali was but a weak pretense for a junction with the suba 
the Marathas instead of being reduced are like to be aggrandized by this conquest of the Mysore dominions. In response, Clive replies, Whatever power may be added to the Marathas by lessening that of Hyder Ali may be recovered hereafter by an alliance with the Suba of Deccan. History approves that eventually, Clive's instinct proved to be true. Eventually, on 12th November 1766, a treaty was executed between the Nizam and company representatives, General Kaliud and General Smith. As per the treaty, company got the right to rule the five northern Sirkar states for 9 lakh per annum and in return, the company would also keep as many soldiers as required by the Nizam at his disposal. Not only would the number of soldiers the Nizam have complete freedom of deploying them against any enemy of his choice at any time. Beyond individual objectives, this treaty was signed by both sides in common hostility towards Haider Ali. Soon enough, the tables turned when Haider again proposed for an alliance in late 1766, only to be rejected because the local company council viewed it as incompatible with the treaty signed with the Nizam. Haider was already annoyed with the British, which further increased as the British had established a fortified outpost at Fellow. In course of history, it seems, though the Nizam had struck a deal with the British Madras Presidency for their support, did so with the expectation that when Hyder Ali was prepared for war, the deal with the British would be broken. The diplomatic manoeuvring resulted in the start of the First Anglo-Mysore War in 1767. In January the same year, the Marathas, possibly anticipating movements by the Nizam, invaded northern Mysore. They reached as far south as the Tungabhadra River and en route recovered the territories earlier won by Hyder Ali. Eventually, in exchange of payments of 30 lakh rupees, the Marathas agreed to withdraw north of the Krishna River. By March, when the Nizam began his invasion, they had already withdrawn. The Nizam advanced as far as Bangalore, accompanied by two battalions of company troops under Colonel Joseph Smith. In June, he sent his 17-year-old son Tipu Sultan to negotiate with the Nizam. The young diplomat arrived in the Nizam camp with gifts that included cash, jewels, 10 horses and 5 trained elephants. In just one week, Tipu charmed the Nizam into switching sides and joining the Mysorean fight against the British. Soon. Colonel Smith discovered that the Hyder Ali and the Nizam were negotiating an alliance and consequently withdrew most of his troops to the Carnatic frontier. Eventually, the first alliance against the British was formed between two of the strongest local powers at that time in southern India. Hyder Ali paid 18 lakhs rupees for the invasion to end and Nizam agreed to recognize Hyder's son Tipu Sultan as Nawab of the Carnatic, once that territory was conquered. Despite such a huge alliance that could have changed the course of history, was formed probably at the right jiff 
but lack of trust among the sides eventually failed the alliance. In August 1767, the diplomatic maneuver by Hyder Ali and Nizam resulted in commencement of the first Anglo-Mysore war with an attack against a company outpost at Changama by the combined Mysore Hyderabad army under Hyder Ali's command. Tipu Sultan then led a cavalry raid on Madras itself, but his father suffered a defeat in the hands of the British at Tiruvannamalai and had to call his son back. With the onset of the monsoon season, Hyder Ali decided to take the unusual step of continuing to fight against the monsoon rains instead of adopting the usual practice of suspending the operations because of the difficult conditions the weather created for armies. Together with Tipu, he captured two British forts. The Mysorean army was besieging the third fort when British reinforcements arrived. Tipu and his cavalry held off the British long enough to allow Hyder Ali's troop to retreat. After maneuvering a few lesser outposts, he besieged Ambur in November 1767. He offered the British garrison commander large bribes in exchange for surrender only to be refused. With the arrival of a relief column in early December, Hyder Ali was forced to leave the seas. He retreated northward covering the movements of the Nizam's forces. But he was betrayed by an entire force of European cavalry who deserted him to the British. In early 1768, the British Bombay Presidency in Bombay organized an expedition to Mysore's Malabar Coast territories. Hyder Ali's fleet, which the British reported as numbering about 10 ships, deserted en masse apparently because the captains were unhappy with Luftali Beck, a Mysorean cavalry officer, as fleet commander. Owing to a British deception, Luftali Beg also withdrew much of the Mangalore garrison to move on what he perceived to be the British target, Andre. The British consequently occupied Mangalore with much minimal opposition in February. The Nizam had a clear agenda of recapturing the circus, but the failures of his campaign led to successful British advances in the northern circus. Accordingly, the Nizam went back into secret negotiations with the British and this finally resulted in the split between Hyder Ali and the Nizam. Nizam withdrew back to Hyderabad and eventually negotiated a new treaty with the British company in 1768. Around the very same time, the loss of the Nizam as an Ali, Hyder Ali, apparently seeking an end to the conflict, made peace overtures to the British, but was rebuffed. Eventually, Hyder Ali had to withdraw from the Carnatic and move to Malabar. Dispatching his son Tipu with an advance force Hyder Ali followed and eventually recovered Mangalore and the other ports held by the British forces. In absence of Hyder from the Carnatic, the British recovered a lot of ground and advanced as far south as Dindigul. They also persuaded the Marathas for an alliance with a proposal for besieging of Bangalore. And a large army led by Muradi Rao 
joined the Colonel Smith accordingly. But in the meantime, Haider returned to Bangalore from the Malabar and soon after launched an attack on the Maratha camp at Usukota. But he was repulsed with heavy losses. He also attempted diplomatic measures to prevent a siege of Bangalore, offering to pay 10 lakh rupees and grant other land concessions in exchange for peace. Adamant at their stand to confirm the failure of the peace proposal, the British served him with an aggressive list of demands. As destined, the negotiations failed to reach a common ground. Colonel Smith was convinced that he first had to inflict a major defeat on Hyder Ali in open battle to effectively besiege Bangalore. Company officials blamed Smith for the failure to decisively defeat of Hyder and recalled him to Madras. Hyder took the opportunity to besiege Hussar and Colonel Wood marched in relief of the town. As Wood approached, Hyder raised the siege, sneaked around Wood's column and attacked his baggage train near Bagalpur. Hyder successfully captured supplies and arms and drove Wood in disgrace towards Venkatagiri. Wood was consequently recalled and replaced by Colonel Lang. Hyder Ali, a great war strategist, took this opportunity to raise additional forces in Mysore and went on the offensive with two armies instead of one. Hyder Ali and Tipu Sultan went on a tear up the coast, capturing forts and British-held cities. The Mysoreans were threatening to dislodge the British from their key east coast port of Madras. This prompted the British to send an envy to discuss peace. But the subject of Hyder's old enmity with the Nawab of the Carnatic, the long-standing ally restricted the negotiations from reaching anywhere. While the company battalions were busy maneuvering to counter Hyder's main force, Hyder surprised company authorities by reaching the gates of Madras with his other set of army. Madras had been left nearly defenseless by this move of Hyder Ali and eventually compelled the company to negotiate further. Hyder wanted an alliance of mutual defense and offense with the purpose of desired diplomatic leverage against the Marathas. The company refused to accede to an offensive military treaty, but both sides agreed to return to their pre-war boundaries and to come to each other's aid in case of an attack by any other power. While this treaty would conclude the first Anglo-Mysore war, but the respite was short-lived, as it's the same treaty that would set the stage for the second Anglo-Mysore war. Throughout almost the 60s and 70s Mysore, and Marathas were busy battling the territorial wars. While Hyder Ali had, time and again, proved his skills as a war strategist, the Marathas had always proved to be the one of the strongest competitors. Be it with the Nizam or the British, the rather frequently shifting political alliance had mostly gone against Hyder Ali. Following the Treaty of Mutual Defence signed to conclude the First Anglo-Mysore War, Hyder Ali, in belief of British assistance, took this opportunity to challenge the Marathas rather indirectly. Not only he refused to pay the tributes to the Marathas, 
but he also began demanding tributes from smaller states on the frontier between Maratha and the Mysorean territories. In response, as expected, the Marathas responded by invading Mysore in November 1770. As per their treaty, Hyder expected and accordingly requested for British assistance. But the company denied any military assistance to Hyder Ali against the Marathas. Probably this decision was influenced by Nawab of Arcot. During this invasion, the Marathas captured a large portion of northeastern Mysore. Soon enough, by the next year, Nawab of Arcot, Muhammad Ali, started persuading the Madras government to form confederacy with Marathas and Nizam against the treaty and attack Mysore. Almost around the same time, Hyder Ali was approached by the Marathas to put aside all the differences by far and unite under the anticipation that by this move Marathas would gain too much power and even may threaten his position, he refused to form the new alliance. As he was still hoping that British would respect the treaty, he informed them about the Maratha proposal. Also, Hyder Ali made it clear to the Madras presidency that if the British chose not to respect the treaty, then he would seek alliance with the French. Yet, the British under persuasion of Muhammad Ali lend nothing more than deaf ears to Hyder. Britain and France came to blows over the 1776 rebellion in Britain's North American colonies. France, of course, supported the rebels in retaliation and to draw off French support from America, Britain has decided to push the French entirely out of India. By that time, Hyder Ali had already committed to the French alliance. He was seeking for revenge over the British. While Hyder Ali began rebuilding his navy in 1778, the British army captured a key French holding, Pondicherry. The following year, while the British were still involved in First Anglo-Maratha War, Ganesh Rao, an ambassador from the Pune Darbar, brought the proposal of a new confederacy with Hyder Ali. This time, the proposal even included the Nizam, who was displeased with the British for their action in Guntur. In return of the proposed alliance, the Marathas agreed to honor Hyder's claim to territories north of the Tungabhadra River and reduce the amount of tribute he was required to pay under earlier agreements. In the meantime, the British grabbed the French-occupied port of Mahi on the Mysorean coast, through which Hyder Ali received much of his French-supplied equipment. In return, he provided troops for its defense. This attack on Mahi prompted Hyder Ali to join the proposed confederacy in alliance with the French and declare war against the British. The Allies planned to make virtually simultaneous attack on British holdings throughout India. This would be the biggest confederacy against the British till now in India at that point of time. But eventually, diplomatic actions by Governor Warren Hastings and the company successfully convinced both the Nizam and the Marathas not to take up arms against them leaving Hyder Ali and Tipu Sultan to battle another Anglo-Mysore war on their own. The Second Anglo-Mysore War 
would last for almost 4 years. During this war, Hyder Ali passed away and Tipu Sultan rose to the power, providing himself a worthy heir to Ali. By the later part of 1783, while the British captured Mangalore in March 1783, Tipu Sultan arrived with his army and after recapturing Bednor, besieged and eventually captured Mangalore. In the meantime, company officials received order from London to bring an end to the war and accordingly entered negotiations with Tipu. On 30th January, the garrison of Mangalore eventually surrendered to Tipu. Finally, the war was brought to an end on 11th March 1784 with the signing of the Treaty of Mangalore at which both sides agreed to restore the other's land to the status quo antebellum that is the state existing before the war. This treaty was the last one where an Indian side dictated terms to the British. We would conclude this episode at this juncture with Tipu Sultan leading the battle against the British East India Company. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page for episode notes, resources and more. Visit us at www.ksproductionsusa.com. Subscribe to the Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too. So send us an email. Our email address is therevolution@ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Production in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions and Shauni Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maithi. Content developed by Dipanjan Maithi, Brotati Chakraborty and Kaushik Mazumdar. Sound designed and original music composed by Satyajit Sen. Also used compositions by Kazi Nazrul Islam. In the next episode, we'll take you through the days of Anglo-Mysore conflict in the light of changing Indian political scenario led by Tipu Sultan.